Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting. It's all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel, ooh, alliteration, with indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, Remarkably Remote is here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Sounds great. Find us, well, find them, don't, don't find us. Find them on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also go listen at gotomeetings.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, the great Brandon McCarthy. Brandon, welcome. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm well, doing you did, okay. You did an ad read, and and it was. Well, how was that ad read? How did I do? Not, not not great, but <laughs> really, but I'm, but the effort is there. No, even the effort wasn't there. It's <laughs> not great. There's nothing good about it. There was nothing good. I don't, I don't get it. I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's like I guess a podcast about how to, how to stay at home or something. I, I guess. Yeah, it, it seemed pretty micro, but. <laughs> and what is a microcast, by the way? We don't do that here. I yeah. This is <laughs> this isn't directed at anything. This is this is for an audience of zero. It's an audience of zero, but not this week because this week. We could not be more lucky. We have the absolutely delightful Sean Doolittle. Sean, welcome. Hey, thank you guys for having me. You are you're really welcome. You're really welcome. Uh, Sean, it is so great to have you on. You are you are an absolute uh, delight in all ways. Uh, I'm sure, people follow you and and your wonderful wife on Twitter. Uh, you're you're you know you just you're coming off of a World Series championship season it's life's good for you isn't it yeah i i can't complain you know even though we are stuck uh inside uh during this quarantine we're not playing baseball um you know all things considered we're safe we're healthy uh and like you said we're still defending champs so um we're we're doing okay yeah i mean look this is Brandon and I talk about this all the time. This is where we are. We, we, you know, are we, when people say, how are you doing? You, you say, I'm, I'm doing, I mean, there's no, nobody's doing great. I don't think during, during this time, but it's all quarantine adjusted terms, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I like that term, by the way, quarantine adjusted terms. So, uh, we, we're going to uh, talk a little uh, whatever we're going to talk about, and then we're going to have a little draft coming up. But I kind of wanted to start off with here, and, and this is something I've never asked uh, Brandon, as far as I know, and I and, and certainly have not asked you, Sean. Um, to me, if, if, you know, especially with all of this going on, and we're all trying to find things to do, uh, we're all, you know, going on Netflix and and twitter and and instagram and and whatever and just trying to find things to do it seems to me that as a ball player i would spend you know i don't want to overstate it but i would spend a good half an hour every single day 
just looking at my own baseball reference page. I just, I just feel like that would be the best use of my time. Have either of you ever spent any real time on your baseball reference page? Uh, today, no, but yesterday I did for a little bit. <laughs> so you haven't, you just haven't done it yet today is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I got a pretty good fill in the other day. I was looking at game logs from a few different seasons. I got curious about something and then just got lost in my own rabbit hole. Apparently. I'm the complete opposite. I avoid my baseball reference page at all costs. Um, <laughs> maybe because it's, it's still in progress. I, I really don't know, but like I'll go on baseball reference. I like looking at the old timey baseball nicknames, but uh, I avoid mine at all costs. What What is your favorite all timey baseball nickname? Um, I did a thread of um, ba- old timey baseball nicknames during spring training last year. I got I I went down a, a pretty deep rabbit hole. There was one guy that his nickname was Babe Ruth's legs. Um, and I was, and I was like, I don't know if Babe Ruth was really three guys in a trench coat or like, I don't know what this was. There was one guy whose nickname was, uh, the, the freshest man on earth, which I thought was, was pretty awesome. Like, I mean, it's just stinks though, that like the freshest man on earth already kind of came and went and we're all playing for second place. But, um, There were some, there were some really good ones. Those were the two that stuck with me though. I'm surprised the freshest man on earth uh, decided to become a ball player. I mean, it feels like you could have, could have done anything with that. With It seems to me. I got to believe he had some other stuff going on and that he was, he was uh, living large away from the ball field as well. But (laughs) (laughs) the name is Arlie Latham for those who are going to go on and, and look, Arlie Latham is the freshest man on earth. Uh, did you look that up just now or did you have that off the top of your head? I wish I could say I had that off the top of my head. Uh, I that wouldn't would be, be surprising, so but... great. Uh, <laughs> 269 lifetime hitter, the freshest man on earth. So not the freshest man at the plate, um, but did steal 742 bases, including 129 in 1887. And uh, I think that was back in the day where like, if you advanced on a ground ball, it was considered a stolen base. So not as impressive as, as it might be now, but still fresh, still quite fresh. I didn't know they used the freshest as like a positive <laughs> adjective in the 1800s. Like I didn't, I, I thought I, it was much more like eighties to nineties thing. I totally agree with that. I, I thought that was like a Will Smith thing. I really did. I thought that's when it became Yeah, fresh. like if you saw like an old-timey video and someone was like, oh, she's hot, and you'd be like, wait, what? That's, a, that's not how they talked. <laughs> this is all good information. All right, so Sean, here's here's what I say, see at your baseball reference page. And I'm not saying you should go on it. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm going it on there for you. First okay. of all, first of all, 111th already in career saves. To me, being 111th in anything is like awesome. Like in history... You're 111th in career saves. That's impressive, don't you think? Yeah, that's. I'll take that. That's that's really cool. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's great. Also, um, I I would if, if if I were you, and you know, of course not. I would look and see who I'm similar to. I like these similarity scores. You do that, Brandon? Don't oh you? yeah, yeah. I when I um, 
I did a little bit. I, I looked years ago. I knew, and I just always knew I was close to Ed Farmer, who sadly you, passed away this week. But yeah, on uh, that note, I, I haven't really. I don't go down the page very far. <laughs> so you don't know that you are 243rd all time in bases on balls per nine innings pitched. No, I, that it's more disappointing that I got yips at the end of my career because that that went away. the The three straight five walk games. Uh, I think see, really put a dent in that number. That's true. That number would have been even low, but still top two fifty all time. I mean, I'm just saying it's something pretty. Look, I if it was me, I'm just going around telling every. I wear. I get a T-shirt made. Two hundred forty third all time in walks per nine innings pitch. I think that's awesome. See, Sean, this is why you don't look at this yet. It's because you're still playing. This is still like an active document, and there's a reason why I have to go to it once a week. Like you start to forget any of this, and you're like. Was I any good at this or did I, you have to go remind yourself as you, you're a slob and mess around the house that like, I was actually decent at something. Here's some proof. Yeah. Right. And I, I wouldn't want to have to get a shirt made that said I was 111th and then, you know, that's going to change over time. Then I got to have different shirts made. That's true. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with that. Well, for you, you could get this shirt made um, that in when you were 27 years old, you're, uh, closest, most similar player was Tom House, who you know, I, Tom House caught. In addition to being a fine, a fine player and and fine pitching coach and all the other things, he caught Hank Aaron's seven hundred and fifteenth home run. Little That's tidbit right. there for That's you. That's what he's most known for. It's certainly <laughs> what I know him most for uh, <laughs> at this point. So, all right, just something. All right, I, I'm just saying that that. I, look, I I get it. I'm like, if you're a ball player and and you play in the big leagues, I, I I suppose at some point, like all of the things that fans get super excited about, like it's just you, you're too busy. It's your job. You're you're really doing it. I'm just saying, as a fan, like every every single thing that 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 you get to do in the big leagues, I would think like, oh my god, that's the coolest thing ever. Like every every time you did something, I would like look up exactly how many other people had done that before. I just, it just feels like Brandon, you do a little bit of that. Don't you? I didn't when I played, I, I, I've looked at like some things now. Um, but even I, yeah, I, like a little bit, but it's, it's not too much. It's not more than a passing glance. It's, I think it's still kind of like the idea of hearing your own voice or watching yourself on television. You just like, you're just sort of uncomfortable with it. So I'll, uh, I was looking up something specific when I looked at my game logs. Otherwise, I'll kind of look and you just, I'll, I just find myself getting like underwhelmed looking at my page. And like <laughs> after 10 minutes, you're like, well, this kind of sucks to the ego. So I'm going to go somewhere else. No, no. You led the American League in FIP in, in, in 2011. Come on. Yeah. And it just brings up other emotions like, well, why didn't I do it in 12 and then 13? And how did I get worse? And so <laughs> I get mad at myself retroactively and that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandon has told us, Sean, that he does not. If, if I'm right, Brandon, you do not even do you. You don't wear the World Series ring, and like you don't even keep it nearby. Am I right about this? I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly your your. I had to. I, I discovered it the other day. I um, they had Game Two of the 2005 World Series um, on the other night, and I actually someone someone sent me a message about it. So I turned it on and they had like the eighth inning. It's a game where um, Posednik walks it off in the bottom of the ninth. And yes. So I just wanted to see that. I hadn't seen that game in a long time. And I turned it on and my daughter ran out. She had just finished her bath and she ran out and watched the last two innings with me. And so we talked about it for a long time and she thought the whole thing was awesome. And was like, 
she kept asking if we got a trophy and I had to explain the concept of like a world series ring. And she's like, well, I want to see it. And I was like, well, I don't know where it is. You got to go ask mom. And so um, she ran back and she asked mom and mom knows exactly where it's hidden and, and took it out for her and, and she got to play with it. And she thought that was awesome. So that was the first time I'd seen it probably in a, in a couple of years. See, that's the greatest. That's it. Sean, have you guys even gotten your world series rings yet? No, we were supposed to get them yesterday oh. actually. Um, or maybe Saturday. Saturday. I don't know what day it is. What What does it matter? Um, and uh, no, it does. But nobody knows. Nobody knows the what the design is. They were playing it really close to the vest, so it, it was going to be kind of this big surprise. And um, now we're we're just going to have to wait. But um, it'll be worth it'll be worth the wait. I think. Oh yeah. When yeah. you when you when you say that they're keeping the design close to the vest, yeah. who actually? came up with the design like who who actually designed it i don't know who came up with the design i know that there were um four people at the very top of the organization um the gm mike rizzo i think the learners um mark and and ted um there were like four people that had seen the design and um i remember uh at at Winterfest, I was trying to get Mike Rizzo to tell me more <laughs> about what it was like, and and so if you know Riz, you you know that he's he's from Chicago. He's a Chicago guy, and uh, he kept comparing it to the Cubs ring from '16, and he was like, "It's bigger than that," and I think it looks way nicer. And I was like, "I don't know what the Cubs ring looks like off the top of my head," um, but. Uh, so I really I wasn't able to really discern much from that, um, but he was super excited about it, and um, we were we were really looking forward to that day. But um, like I said, it'll it'll be worth the wait. Oh yeah, yeah. When you guys actually do get the rings, that's going to be awesome. I'm just like I like on a on a like a like a I guess a general level, I can totally understand you know you you keep it a secret and and then you unveil it and everybody loves it but like it feels risky to me it feels like that you unveil it and everybody sees it and then like they can't like wow that's not as cool as i thought at all it's it's i, I don't know i i just think like you're playing, you don't have i just that. think it's a risk like you need to at least expose the design and this is probably for anything to someone who you know will shoot you straight and say like that doesn't really look that great. Right? <laughs> exactly. You got to release it like the Rams new logo where you just, you leak it out on the internet. Everybody just dumps all over. It tells you it's universally hated. It's terrible. Go back to the drawing board, drawing board. And then a week later, be like, no, that was actually it. And then here's, <laughs> then hand everybody that rings. That's, yeah. I just think you want to prepare everybody for the possibility that, you know, because look, people are going to be nice about it. I mean, they're they're going to see the ring and they're going to be like, "Oh, it's a World Series ring." And but I don't think you can hide like the disappointment if you like you like, "Oh God, that's not that great." Like I like I just had it so much grander in my mind. You know, I I don't know. It just it's I, I think uh, so the, we don't it's, know. It's the you, first one for the organization. You know, so it's the first one for the organization. So I think they're going to go all out and uh, you know hopefully the uh with it being the first one they'll have uh, i'm sure they'll have done a good job it's 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 a good organization i'd i'd 
I really don't know. But, but, and I don't know, Brandon, maybe you can speak to this, but like I talked to guys who said that the World Series experience doesn't fully crystallize until you get the ring um, because so much of that run is so emotional. It happens so fast. Um, you spend kind of all off season, like processing it in this dreamlike state. Like, did that really happen? Was that real? And then once you get the ring and you put it on and you see it, it like, it's like, nobody can take this away. This is, this is real. Yeah. I wish, I wish you could have gotten it like, like a week after when it's still part of it, where it's like a thing that's going with you. Because once you get, it might be different now for you coming out of all this, but you go through an off season, you're working again, and then you go through spring training and you're back to work. So your focus is completely off that thing that happened last year. And then a new season right. starts. So like, and it happens on a game day, like your, your nerves are up, you're, you're ready for an actual game. And then you get this and it's sort of like, okay, like this is awesome. And you definitely get that. This is a thing now that I have for life. This is, this is unbelievably cool. But you're also like, we're on to a new thing now. And just that athlete mentality of like, it just keeps turning over. The next day's already started. Um, So I wish it was like further attached to the last year. It's like, you'd win it, you'd come out like, and then they'd have a whole, um, there'd be a whole ceremony for that during an off season, like maybe during a parade. I think that would be awesome. But I I could see both emotions kind of happening. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, there, I remember when the Cubs, uh, thing was happening and, you know, they, they give out the rings. And of course, obviously that's the biggest deal imaginable. The Cubs finally won the world series, but then they just kept giving out rings like all year. And it would, it, it turned into like a, like a, like a ring soap opera, like, Oh, who's getting a ring this week. And then, and then, you know, every time somebody came into town that, that they like, they would give them a ring and, you know, they gave everybody a ring except Jeff Garland. Um, and, and I know that cause Jeff told me that they gave everybody a ring except for <laughs> Jeff Garland and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and it's, uh, it, it, I don't know. It did, it did feel, I think at some point it did start to feel disconnected, but I do think it's going to be super special this year. By the way, one other point I want to make is uh, I just looked up the uh, 2005 White Sox ring, Brandon. Yeah. It's, it's it's disastrous it's it's not a great ring it's not the best it's not the it's not the prettiest like the symbol of it's awesome like the um but there were we were we got a lot of comments from people like boy that's an ugly an ugly <laughs> ring and i think there were some players who were like yeah you're right it is and some um i think even for a while some players were were trying to get like mod- wanted to get modifications done trying to reach out to jewelers how can we um I don't know. I, that is, aged, but I just looked that it up. That is awesome. Yeah, it's ugly. Uh, it's really it's a tough color. It's a tough color combo of the White Sox to work with. I feel like on a ring. Yeah. But uh, the like, problem is when you just go with gold as the base color, and that was most everybody. There was the oval shape that I think some people had a problem with, but then it was also that it was gold instead of the white gold or or platinum. So everybody else had these like very shiny things that popped, and this was kind of like a much more old school. Um, regular gold which might have been what they were going for so it it proved to be pretty hit or miss between a lot of people in the, descri- in the description thing. of this podcast can we put that brandon complains about his world series ring <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i th- th- that is the whole description of this podcast yeah, you know as i sat perfectly on the fence there i didn't give away my own personal position <laughs> you did you did you did walk that line but i will give you this brandon i'll give you this um when you said that thing about the old school, it sort of made me look at it a little bit differently. It does 
like if you saw that ring, like if like if that ring was the 66 Dodgers World Series ring or something, you'd be like, oh, it's pretty cool, actually. You know, I mean, it's like it's like the problem with it. It's like old stadiums. You look at old stadiums and and you're like, oh, that's it's great for its time. And then, you know, new stadiums came along and and suddenly those old stadiums, even even the, the, the classics, you know, suddenly didn't have all of those amenities and cool things. This kind of has an old school ring feel. I'll give it that. I'll give you that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, again, like if you're wearing it every day, like that's a little bit weird. So it's something that's, that's kind of tucked away in a cool mezzo. So I don't really care what it looks like. How many diamonds is, is that? Are, are those there on the side? What do you, is, I mean, is there I, a, like a, a number, like a specific thing? Like, there probably is. It might even, I feel like a lot of teams do the, the number of diamonds for like wins during the year. So it was like 96 or 98 win teams. So that would be my guess, but I truly outside of that, I couldn't, I don't have an answer for that. Well, now I am so psyched for Sean to, to get his ring and, and, and see what he thinks about this ring. That is going to be so great. I'm just psyched for him to have a huge piece of shiny jewelry that he has to wear for a while. Cause it's very in keeping with his personality. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can pull it off, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Do you have a plan? Do you have like a how often you're going to wear it kind of plan? I have no idea like what the etiquette is. Um, it's, you know, or, or what necessarily qualifies as like a special enough occasion to, to wear yeah. it. Um, I really, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. If, I guess if anybody asks, like, why are you wearing, what is that ridiculous piece of jewelry? I can just, you know, it's, well, it's a World Series ring. Sorry, I'd wear it every day. Yeah, I, you I you would... very much can't get away from it. Like, you feel it on your hand. You're aware you're wearing, like, one pound <laughs> on, on a hand. And so you just never settle in. The, the amazing thing to me is, like, old school baseball people, and you've seen them around, like, old scouts or just old, like, baseball men like are comfortable wearing their rings and sometimes even multiple at a time yes, that they've yes. collected over the years. And like the weird Venn diagram of people who are comfortable wearing these huge, it's like <laughs> up and coming rappers and old, old, old school baseball guys. <laughs> Nobody else in the middle is comfortable doing this. <laughs> that is so great. Seeing That's those so old true. scouts. That's oh my so God. True. Yes. Seeing oh. those old scouts that have like two on each hand. You know, and just, just, and they're just, it's like nothing. This is like how they eat breakfast. This, this is, is it. They don't have to go out. They're just wearing the ring inside. They don't care. <laughs> so great. That is so great. All right, Sean. Um, so tell me, I mean, you know, we, we didn't talk about this really at the start. How, how are you and, and are you dealing with all of this? I mean, we're all dealing with it much in the same, uh, much in the same way, but how, how are you dealing with it? Not only, without being baseball, you're, you're famous for loving to go to bookstores and doing uh, all sorts of things out in the, in the world. Uh, how, how are you handling all this? Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, like again, in, in quarantine adjusted terms, um, we're doing okay. Um, my wife and I are here down here in Florida and uh, we were able to extend our lease once the uh, season got delayed. And, um, trying to do some stuff, uh, around the house as far as like improvising workouts and trying to stay somewhat in shape. Um, just cause I'm, I'm nervous that, uh, at, at 33, that if I completely shut it down, it'll be really tough to get it, you know, going again. So keep it on a slow burn and, 
um, you know, staying, staying inside a lot. And, um, shoot, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I'm a super introverted person by nature. Um, I, I also have like a lot of just general social anxiety. So like, I've kind of been training for this for my whole life. <laughs> and like, I'm doing, I think I'm doing okay. Like still getting three meals a day in, you know, I'm just probably just watching a little bit more Netflix and, and reading a little bit more than usual. But, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're staying safe and healthy. We're doing all right. That's good. That's good. How much, how much workout stuff of Brandon has been talking about this quite a bit. How much can you do in, in this, in this environment? Um, I mean, like what you, you, I assume you can't really throw what, what are you, what do you, what can you do? Um, well, I was struggling with the throwing aspect of my workouts and I, but I, I got a net for my house. Um, oh. and I, I can do some in the side yard. I can, I can do some throwing. Um, I have, I have a, a series of some heavy ball stuff that I can do against the, the, the side of the garage. Um, you can, I've actually found that I can get like a decent, workout in it all depends on like how much I can improvise um I you know I don't really have any weights I have like a six pound med ball and that's like the heaviest weight that I have and um a lot of like uh, a lot of these like elastic uh resistance bands that I can hook to different like banisters or doorknobs around the house and and get some stuff done but like it's all it's all improvising and um that's the tricky part is like the, the actual weight training aspect. But I figure if I can keep my shoulder, you know, in decent shape, then I'll have a chance to get it going again. Once we start up. This is, you know, this is crazy. We, we, Brandon and I, and, uh, and Mike Shore, the normal, uh, uh, one of our, you know, the normal co host here, uh, sort of came up with this notion that we would, uh, that, that nobody's going to be, in shape, obviously, when when you know when the season finally does start up, whenever that is, uh, everybody is going to have just done sort of whatever makeshift thing they can do, and it really will be the closest thing to like 1954 baseball <laughs> that, that we have all felt at any point. And we we think that the best way to do it is just to go back and just just you know go all in on the 1954 baseball. Everybody wears the wool uniforms and and you know people come in to to camps smoking and and uh you know there's just you know absolutely no rules about how much drinking you do the night before a game and then and just go out and play and just then like make it we get the 1954 strike zone yes (laughs) all right then yes yes the problem (laughs) is that the the players who have already worked out would have to like I like I don't know how long it would take for for players who have worked out to like reduce themselves to the way 1954 baseball players were when you know everybody was five foot eight and 162 pounds so <laughs> I, but I don't know Brandon how in in all in all you know as as we actually talk a little baseball you think it's going to be like quite a while and quite dangerous when everybody comes back, um, you know, as far as arms and injuries and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have like concerns with it and I, I just 
you know, I said a couple weeks ago, like there's, it's just such uncharted territory that nobody, people have a playbook for an off season. People have a playbook for, you know, Sean played to the last day of the season last year. So his off season was a month shorter than people who missed the postseason. So people have a playbook for how to get through that. And then, you know, some of them are good playbooks, some are bad, but this one, everybody is just starting from scratch. And, um, it's going to depend on the quality of like, like the team, how do they build? What, what are they actually good at monitoring? Are they good at like holding players back, moving players forward, like tracking things during this time, staying in contact? I think there's just a lot of like variables there. And then it's, it's going to be down to the individual that realizes like, all right, I can't run on day one of whatever, like the doors come off here and people are allowed back somewhere. Can I just come in and throw as hard as I was? Cause it doesn't feel like I'm that far removed from it or, um, I don't know. It's going to be left up a lot to the individual pitchers. It's just like, make sure you're, you're slow and ready and that you're fully ready to go. It, it, it'll be a tough time. I think. I can think of a few pitchers who are going to come out throwing a hundred. I just, there's like, like in my mind, I have a, a, a series of pitchers in my mind who like the first day they come out, they're just going to be throwing a hundred miles an hour. Just because that's what they do. Like they, they, they usually first day of spring training, they do that. And so, right. uh, you know, it'll, that will be interesting to see how people, uh, you know, how people respond. Sean, have have you been in like contact with a lot of, you know, with the team and with with teammates and all that? I mean, beyond oh, yeah. beyond typical. Our 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 strength staff and our uh, athletic trainers have have been really really good at communicating with us. And um, our strength coach, basically, like I sent him like all of the. I just have like a bunch of random equipment that I took from the, from the stadium. And, and I said, here's what I have. And so he kind of took that and, and pieced together like a home workout. Um, and so like I talked to him uh, at least every couple days and like, I'll send him videos of stuff that I've done and, and um, he'll send me, you know, suggestions and recommendations um, I was, we were kind of talking the, the relievers and uh, with the Nats, we were on a, a, a group text and we were joking that uh, every player right now is kind of getting like a feel of what it's like to be a relief pitcher. Um, because <laughs> a lot of times during, during games, it's like really common for the, the bullpen phone to ring and the, you know, the bullpen coach looks at you and says, Hey, get ready. And you're like, you start throwing and you're like, who am I getting ready for? And they're like, they didn't say, just get ready. And you're like, what, what's, they didn't give like a situation. And they said, no, just get ready and stay ready. And you're like, well, all right. So like how, how many pitches do I throw? I don't want to burn myself out, but I don't know when I'm going in. So like, you just have to keep yourself on this like slow, on this like rolling boil. And like, I mean, it's obviously like uh, on a, on a much higher level right now, but there are there's some, there's like a handful of guys on every team based on their their contracts and their living situations that have home gyms, you know, and that probably won't be that far behind. And then you have like most of the team, um, you know, whether it's pre-arbitration guys or, or uh, relief pitchers that like don't have access to a home gym and that are kind of piecing it together. So it'll be interesting to see like how everybody comes back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. By the way, I, I now have in my mind, you going to the stadium and just taking a bunch of random equipment and not even knowing what it is, just like, Oh, that looks good. And just taking all of this stuff home and then asking 
the coach, like, how do I do this? What is this? I don't even know what this is. Like, this, this seems to me like this is probably something I would use. How do I do this? Well, I, I joked with the strength coach. I, I sent him a picture of all the stuff that I had. And I said, if, uh, if for some reason the, the season gets canceled, um, if you guys want this stuff back, you're going to have to resign me because I'm, my deal ends at the end of the season. So, um, I said, if you, if you guys want this back, I don't know how much it's worth to you, but I'll bring it back. If you resign me, <laughs> that is such a great, uh, uh, tool to use in negotiations i think every just, little uh, if, bit helps if you want your equipment back just <laughs> we, we we know what it'll take to, to make that happen brandon you were talking um i guess you know you've you've used this like all of there's like all of this like um like uh ar stuff that you that you use that's like you can you can you were talking about how you can actually face Chris sale, right. With the, with the, with the, when you're wearing that, that, you know, special, um, that special thing on your face and, and, and looking. And I mean, do you think that like using those kinds of things, using any kind of, any kind of uh, 3d and, 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 and other sorts of uh, you know, all other sorts of methods, you think that'd be helpful to, to, to get people ready for the season or is that stuff all just theoretical and it doesn't really work? I think it'd be super helpful if it was really like readily accessible. I don't know. I think there's a bunch of teams now that probably have some VR setups or are starting to like, it's becoming a new thing. So it'll be much more commonplace in the next few years. But um, I I don't think players have it individually at their home. And if they do, it it further becomes that divide that Sean was talking about where players who are more established and more money have, have a home setup that is pretty complete and they're probably not too far off the pace, but then there's, you know, there's other guys who are living in an apartment somewhere who, uh, their access to thing is is limited, so um, I, it's doubtful that they have a VR setup that is fully calibrated that they can do everything with. But it would be a great thing, and if this happens again in five years, then um, people might be even better situated for it. But let's hope this never happens again. Yeah, I don't want this to happen in five years, just so the VR setups are better in people's houses. <laughs> but um, Sean, have you ever used any of that stuff, any of that VR stuff, where it looks like you're pitching to Albert Pujols or whatever? No, I, we we haven't used any of that stuff. Our 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 hitters, um, they don't have any of that capability either. Um, but uh, it sounds really, it, it sounds fascinating. I would love to try it. Um, I don't know how much it would. I don't know how much it would help pitchers. I don't know, Brandon. Have you ever? I don't know if you've used them before, but like, does it? I don't see as much benefit for pitchers. No, I'm the same. I, I, I thought about this years ago when um, people were starting to like really get online with this. And I was like, is there a way, any sort of an application for pitchers? And I, I kind of struggled to think of one for hitters, obviously. And I, I played with that program a little bit. I thought it was fantastic. And I was like, oh, this is, this is extremely valuable. But, yeah. but for pitchers, I don't really know what, um, what you get out of it. You don't think that there's a way that you could uh, feel like you're on the mound and, and they would have it design so Mike Trout or whoever it was was at the plate and and they would be able to use it so you could pitch to Mike Trout I don't know I mean does that not feel it feels to me like the way things are going that could be something at some point now you're just you're wearing a headset so I don't know if you're I mean the value of the hitting one is pitch recognition which is such a huge piece of hitting that you can't do unless you're literally standing in the box and now there's a major league pitcher facing you more or less so like or you struggle with it but for pitchers that's you're dictating the action. So I guess it would be, I mean, 
it'd almost be more a video game setup where you're just sitting there with a VR headset on and you're like, you're picking the pitch and just seeing what like a hitter's reaction is to it. But even that is, um, would still just be numbers based. I, I, I mean, I guess you probably could, but I, I struggle to see like a direct, like, oh yeah, this would be a no brainer to do it this way as opposed to like a very hit or miss and probably a waste of money. But what if Mike Trout was on the other end of the VR and he was actually uh, facing you? Well, that's you're describing baseball in 2060, and that's <laughs> where we've just gotten rid of stadiums because pandemics have swept the globe. So now it's just players in apartments playing games online. We just turned it into what F1 is now, where they're just doing online races, and everybody's like, "This is fine. We've this replaced the real thing. We're good." If I don't need to, I don't need a VR headset to watch Mike Trout uh, hit home runs off. So, um, <laughs> I'm good. All right, Sean. Uh, before we go to our draft. Uh, who is you, this is you, you're ready for this question because this is the the obvious question that everybody asks every baseball player who is the toughest pitcher you ever faced as a hitter see how I went the, the other toughest? way wait so are you aware of how my how good a hitter Doolittle was Joe absolute, by the way I am aware of how good okay. a hitter uh, Sean was Brandon's Sean one was of the few people that, that saw it I think for a little bit but the farther I get from hitting, the the better I used to be at it. Uh, at, least as far, at, at least as far as the stories go. Um, wait, so as a as a, I'm the hitter. Who's You're the best the pitcher that? I... Exactly the toughest pitcher for you to hit in my big league career. Well, if you want to go back, actually, to college actually, or high school. Um. Well, I thought you were talking about in my my big league career. I only have five at bats, but one of them was off Koji Uhara in 2014 oh, wow. uh, when he was with the Red Sox, and he I saw three I saw three of those splits that he split finger fastballs that he throws, and they were hilarious. Um, that was that was awesome. Uh, but as far as like overall, I don't really remember. I faced a bunch of guys that that played in the big leagues. Um, Joey Devine. I don't know, Brandon. You remember Joey Devine? He was one of the nastiest yeah. guys I ever faced. Um, uh, I faced. Uh, I remember facing Doug Fister in the minor leagues, and I absolutely hated it because the cutter, <laughs> the cutter, ate me up so so bad. Um, but I, that's a good question. No, it's it's not really a good question, but it's. <laughs> But I like that. I like that idea. I like because everybody will ask you who's the toughest hitter and all that, and 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 usually that answer is not that interesting because usually Mike Trout. So it's it's like I thought you know we go a little different, but also because you were. I mean, this is in all in all seriousness, you were obviously a, a terrific hitter. You were drafted uh, in the first round, right, as a hitter, and and you would have no when you went to pitching, it was really because of injuries right when you went to pitching wasn't it wasn't it injuries that pushed you there yeah i had i had missed essentially um i was in AAA in 2009 um that was my second full season in the minor leagues so i was i was in a good spot um i was hitting and clean up with that team and i was doing well and then i got hurt i i tore a tendon in my knee and missed essentially all of 2009 and 2010. And then in, in 2011, I was in extended spring training 
two days away from like graduating my rehab assignment and um, from my second knee surgery. And I, I tore a tendon in my wrist um, during a game. And I was, I was in, I was, I got put in a cast and I was in Arizona for the summer and uh, I, they came to me. It was, it was Keith Lippman, who's the farm director for Oakland. He came to me and, and suggested I start a throwing program. Um, he said, at the very least, it'll give you something to do. And in, in case we have to activate your insurance plan, which was uh, something Billy Bean had referenced when I got drafted because I pitched in college as well. So I spent the rest of 2011, the summer, I had a cast on my right arm so I couldn't put a glove on. So I had to have somebody catch for me and like flip me the ball. And, huh. and I spent, um, like I spent eight weeks just doing a long toss program to get my arm in shape. And the, the wrist rehab that I was still doing to try to come back as a hitter didn't work. Um, the, the doctor said I was going to need surgery, which would have put the 2012 season in jeopardy. Um, and I couldn't stand missing a fourth straight season. So I, yeah. I asked if I could switch and I, I went to, I went to instructional league that year as a pitcher. And, um, I was in Oakland, uh, the next year, uh, the first week of June. It's if, if you could, cause you went in and, and as soon as you started pitching, uh, cause you jumped up that year, you went right. You started and, high A and then you went up almost immediately to double A and then almost immediately to triple A and then almost immediately to, to the big leagues. Um, so obviously you were, you were a big league pitcher almost immediately, but if you, if you could have had it, would you have rather gone up as a, as a hitter Would that, would that, would you have preferred that? Um, no, <laughs> looking, uh, I, I think looking back on it, um, this is what I this is what I was supposed to do. Um, this is, uh, kind of the, the only thing my body can handle. Um, and to be honest, it, it hasn't even cooperated at, at times, uh, pitching as well. I've had a number of injuries too, but I don't think my, I don't think my body could have withstood, uh, the, the day to day grind of being a position player. I don't think mentally, um, it really would have suited me. Um, so I think, uh, I think this is what I was supposed to have been doing all along. Um, so I'm just glad it worked out. Well, yeah, Brandon, you were, you were in Oakland when he, uh, first came up. You probably knew Sean already, but what, what did you think of him when he first came up and, and you saw him pitch? Uh, I had heard for a while it had been building like <clears throat> that there was like a lefty throw. I, I knew Sean from that spring. And then, um, we heard it coming, like he was moving fast and then got there and, um, I don't know. He, it was good. Everybody that comes up is good. So like, you just, um, <laughs> like, yeah, he throws, everybody throws harder than you do. So you try to not be impressed by everybody that, um, but good. I just, I loved, and I, I still love Sean. I mean, just the way he carried himself, we were cut from the same cloth. We're both avid sweater vest wearers. And, but he also like, I will never forget the day he came in. I, and I'm assuming he still has it. Your, your Navy blue, um, Navy blue sport coat. My blazer. With, yeah, he is. I, he literally looked like he just walked out of Hannesport Yacht Club and into a big league locker room, just with with the gold buttons. Like I, I don't know if he was wearing a captain's hat, but in my mind, he absolutely was. He just, it was such a look that he had put together. I had in my 
in my defense, I had to piece that look together. Um, and, and I mean, I will give Brandon that, like it, that was part of my style back then. Um, I had uh, very much adopted like the, the, the short shorts and the polos when I was at UVA, like it, I finally gave in, but like, um, my, I, I had only spent a week in AAA and all my stuff was still in, in Texas where our AA team was. So I had to like, I, I went to Gap and bought a sport coat and khakis. And I think I had like Sperry's like boat shoes. And I like, that was how like I walked into a big league locker room for the very first time, cleanly shaven, very different than anything that I do now, literally anything that I do now. Um, and it took me like 20 minutes to get into the stadium because I was in a taxi like an hour before game time coming from the airport and the security guard wouldn't let me through because I didn't have any ID. Like, what was I going to show him? Like, I didn't, I was like, no, I'm on the team now. Like I'm on the team. And he was like, he was like, I can't let you in. Like you're, not, so you're not dressed like a real it. human. You've, you've, you've <laughs> trying for, but I'm not buying it. Like, how, how long, how long before he actually called somebody to find out that you really were on the team? Like how long, how much convincing did you have to do just to get him to even check? It was like, it was like 15 minutes and I was, I was texting and calling the, uh, the, the Oakland A's, the travel secretary. And I was like, I'm up here at the gate and they won't let me through. I'm in this taxi. Like I, I just started walking. Um, I didn't know. So that was, that was an experience. And then. Brandon, I don't know if you remember this game. My very first game, uh, Jared Parker took a no-hitter against the Rangers, like, into the eighth inning. And we were up we were up by, like, a lot. It was, like, seven or eight nothing. But he was still working on this no-hitter, and his pitch count was getting higher and higher. And before the game, Bo Mel had called – Bob Melvin had called me into the office right after I got there in my sport coat and my khakis. And um, <laughs> he was he was, like – he was like, you're probably going to pitch tonight. Like we're, we're short. Um, the guys in the bullpen have been, they've been worked really hard this last week. Um, you're, you're coming off two days rest. So you're going to be in there tonight. So just be ready. And Parker's working on this no hitter and I'm sitting in the bullpen <laughs> and uh, it's June in Oakland. So it's freezing cold. And yes. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm my debut is gonna have to be part of a combined no hitter effort. I was like, <laughs> what? The, I was like, what is going on? It was crazy. I didn't pitch that night. I didn't, Balfour ended up uh, finishing it off, but that's so great. That is so great, Brandon. I, by the way, I like that that Brandon that you you will you will look across the room and and look for a fellow sweater vest person i i like that that this is something that that you will find uh in other people yeah it's a rare uh, a lot of people like to mock sweater vests and, and i think i might bring this up later on in the show but there's there's no reason for it they're they're perfect clothing if you're at least in a temperate climate they just um, they look fantastic sure uh, you can do lots of different things with them they're they're very versatile um, they're an absolute staple of my closet and it felt like i think early sean i, I don't know if new Sean with the beard and the closer. I don't know if it fits, if it fits, but old Sean, absolutely. He was a sweater vest guy. Oh, I still have sweater vests and cardigans. Like, you know, we live in Chicago now in the, in the off season and, and um, they're so, 
to me, they're so essential for like layering. Um, and, and so like, they're definitely still a big part of my repertoire. Yeah, I think cardigans more than sweater vests. Sweater vests is, is a little passe, but but cardigans are really the, the main staple piece. That's the that's the big one. Yeah, you get this you is get why like some you, the there's show. some like there's some bulkier ones that are like cable knit, like not like the thin yeah. cashmere ones, like the like that's that's more my style now, but like you know, it's still a cardigan and it still looks great and um you know, so it works. I like it. I like it. All right. Before we do the draft, Brandon, uh, shouldn't you tell the story of how you introduced Sean to his wife? That that story's true, right? I don't know that I did. I think I, I know that Erin um, and I used to talk on on Twitter because she was she was truly one of the funniest people. Um, it still is. And, and I yeah, but I think Sean. I think Sean's responsible for her not. She used to be absolutely. <laughs> hysterical um sean he's totally blaming you for making her less funny <laughs> hey, i want no, i want old Aaron I, back i want her <laughs> she's still i know what brandon's talking about and the the humor i promise is still there she it gets a little <laughs> bit nervous that um some of like the jokes would end up blowing back on me and um <laughs> Uh, so she's, she's toned it down quite a bit and, and, uh, but, um, yeah, Brandon, Brandon and her, there was no actual like formal introduction between, um, me and my wife, uh, with Brandon, but like they had, they were interacting on Twitter all the time. And then like, because I followed Brandon and was teammates with Brandon, like I had, ended up in the replies of several of those conversations. And, um, so I knew that like on some level, like Aaron was real and that like, I wouldn't be getting catfished and like, cause she had reached out to me, <laughs> she had reached out to me and, and we had started like exchanging messages and, and, and talking, um, off of Twitter. And so like, um, she ended up coming out to, uh, Arizona in spring training of 2013 for for work. Her work brought her out there for like a couple day conference, and and I that's where we met for the for the first time after probably a couple of weeks of interacting on Twitter and a couple of weeks of of texting and stuff like that. But it was because of Brandon that I felt like comfortable, um, like he had like vouched for her in a sense based on his interactions with her on Twitter and and. Um, I remember in the beginning of the 20, was it the 2013 season? Yeah. The 2013 season, we, one of our first road series was in Anaheim and this is like the first week of the season. And my wife was living in Los Angeles and we, we had an off day. So I, I went uh, over to LA uh, to visit her and we, we, I think we, I don't know if we sent you a picture, Brandon, or like if it was like a video text, um, but he was like, what are you doing and who are you hanging out with? <laughs> and he, he was like, he was like, how did these two parts of my world like end up coming together? And like, what bizarro world is, is this? <laughs> so I was out of the loop on everything. I, I had been hit in the head recently. So everything, everything felt like it was a new world. So 
<laughs> that doesn't surprise me in the least if I was clueless. Yeah, because you were you were with Arizona at that time, so like, yeah, you, I, I guess you were like a little bit out of the loop. So like, it was me and 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 Aaron and and um, I don't know if you had ever met the friends that she was living with or whatever, but like, we sent him a picture, and I, your text back was like, "What are you doing? And who are you hanging out with?" <laughs> <laughs> so great it is so great all right we got to go on to our draft uh so uh sean i i believe you've been uh prepped for this uh every week we do a draft of incredibly uh dumb things and and we never even explain to each other what it is exactly we're supposed to be drafting so this week's draft uh we are taking um stupid things that we miss doing uh, while we are all in isolation uh, for COVID-19. And uh, you know what? Normally we would have Sean go first, but Brandon, maybe you should go first just to sort of display the stupidity of, of what we do. Okay. Um, I, I think the first thing has to be uh, shaking hands with another human being. Sure. Um, and it's not something I particularly enjoy. I don't like social interactions. I don't like seeing someone and... <laughs> God forbid there's a hug, but even a handshake, you don't know what handshake someone's bringing to the table and what new cool version of it they have that you're not aware of. There's a lot of like pitfalls, but I at least have found now that when I do head out, if I'm at a store somewhere and I do happen to see someone that I know, uh, the awkwardness of that is, is just too hard to take there. You just sort of, it's like, like two dogs at a dog park ambling around each other, but keeping their distance. You just kind of do this like side shuffle side to side while still being, figuring out one, their interpretation of six feet and yours are wildly yes. different. So you just kind of end up this like circling each other without getting close. <laughs> and with, without that coming together point, everything feels off for the beginning. So you're just talking at someone from a distance and then eventually you just kind of have to end with, okay, goodbye. And it, it just, it feels like a Sims game. Like these two very inhuman things are sort of pretending to have an interaction. It's really terrible. So without the handshake to at least kick it off, um, I need to get back to that. Yeah. 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 You don't appreciate how important just shaking hands with somebody is. It just feels like that is, uh, that is crucial. But here's the thing. Once the world comes back together, assuming it will, uh, how soon will it be before you're sick of the handshake? Oh, right away. Uh, day one, I'll be sick of everything <laughs> by the afternoon after all these sanctions lifted. Like, I wish I could just go back and watch Netflix. This will be great. So, <laughs> I have no problem to find like a, a complaint with whatever situation I'm in. Oh, well, and at that point you'll just be trading the awkwardness of six feet apart and trying to acknowledge someone through like a mask with like, all right, is this somebody I shake hands with? Is this somebody like I hug? Is this somebody, do we fist bump? What, like you're, you're, it's like, it's been so long since I've seen this person and been able to interact with them physically what what did we used to do? How, like, where do my hands go? <laughs> yes. I think also that's going to be like a, because we're all going to have fears of a bounce back, that someone's going to be too, I won't be ready to shake hands. They will be anxious. They'll come in. So it's like, all right, well, we have to shake hands. And then I will sit for a whole conversation and my hands will just dangle at my sides because I can't touch my face. I can't do anything. And then the second they leave, will they see me take the, the sanitizer out of my pocket and cleanse myself? as they move on. Like there's going to be a yeah. lot of awkward chunks for a while. There really is. There really is. You know, I've, I've felt that awkwardness 
about not knowing whether to shake hands or, or hug somebody before all of this. Oh like you yeah. You're right. You have no yeah. idea. It's just people come up to you and you're like, I don't. And, and, and how often does it happen in your life that you come, they go in for the hug and you're like, I don't think we're at the hug relationship level at no. all. I just feel yeah. we're much more handshake people, but that's all gone now. That's all gone. And I, when will people start hugging again? I mean, that's, that feels like that's years away. Yeah. Maybe that's just going to follow the vaccine. They'll be. Yeah. The vaccine, the vaccine, we'll call it the hug vaccine. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Sean, Sean, that's how this works. So you get, you get your first pick in stupid things that you miss doing. Um, I miss just being able to have like, um, a little bit of a runny nose or like a small headache without it, without immediately catastrophizing <laughs> the situation into like a positive test result of this disease, this novel virus that we don't know anything about. Um, like it happened last night with, with me and my wife, we were sitting on the back porch and like I started sniffling. I, my nose was running a little bit. Turns out I think I'm just allergic to the citronella candles that we bought or something. But like <laughs> immediately, like my mind went to like, all right, if I get sick and you're not sick, how do we like quarantine me in this house? Because like, yeah. you know, like we immediately started game planning how to do that. And I know there are people who are dealing with this on a, on a very real level. Um, but um, that's just, you know, I just miss being able to like, have the sniffles and not uh, start essentially catastrophizing to the worst case scenario. No, that's, I could not agree more. I, we have been here in this house, obviously for a month, more than a month. Um, and I just generally tend to have sniffles in general, just I, I have allergies and, and, and just generally, but literally every single day, my wife will be like, are you okay? Are you okay? Is, is everything, is this okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I haven't left the house. There's no, there's literally, there's not a possibility of anything have happened since yesterday, but, but, you know, but it's in your, it's in your, it's in our heads. Of course it is. I mean, it's, uh, it's, like it's sometimes I take a drink and it goes down the wrong tube and I start oh, coughing yeah. and like my wife will like come out of the other room and she'll be like, are you okay? Like <laughs> what? And I'm like, yeah, I just suck at drinking sometimes. Like, it happens. I'm my bad. <laughs> exactly right. Excellent pick. Excellent pick. All right. Uh, I'm I'm going to go a little more off the deep end than, 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 than these guys. So um, the, the reason I even came up with this is I was thinking of uh, stupid things that I miss. And the goofiest thing came up. So I don't particularly <clears throat> like malls. In general, I'm just not, I, you know, I, I have two daughters uh, who who do like the mall. So I, I do go to the mall with them. Not now, obviously, but used to go to the mall with them quite a bit. And uh, and um, I don't like them. And I there's not a whole lot that I miss. But here's what I miss. Every time I go to a mall, I go and really check out the car that is parked inside the mall. Like I constantly... <laughs> like look at like I look at the price I look around like I'm interested in buying it uh I I check out every detail of the of the Alfa Romeo or whatever it happens to be that that's there and uh and and I just I don't know why I do this but it is one of the few things 
uh, about shopping in a mall that I get some sort of joy out of. And I miss doing that. I now, I am now to the point where I, I really, really want to have the malls opened up and go to a mall and see all these people and then just go to the car and check out the price. So that's what I miss. Wow. I got very, very into a niche there. Like I thought the mall was, was great. And I was like, Whoa, he really took this. <laughs> I'm going deep. I'm good. These are deep cuts for me. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Brandon, you have your second pick. Uh, I think going to the bathroom or more or less using toilet paper, just with full autonomy. Um, <laughs> Would be nice, and I, I hadn't noticed it the first few weeks. I don't, we haven't bought any since this started. Um, apparently, we had a very well stocked house with toilet paper before, but like as as we move into like week four of this, uh, I've started to feel it more and more. Where it's like, well, I kind of have to go, but is this a good use of toilet paper this time, or is that too much? Is this too like just having that thought in the background of my mind is I find is just kind of ruining the experience. So yeah. I'm ready for I'm ready for that to be done. So you're sick of rationing toilet paper or feeling like I have to. Yeah. I don't know what the toilet paper situation is where you guys are, but here in, in Florida, they, they stock the shelves every day. And so people line up uh, when the supermarket opens at seven in the morning. And so like my wife went last week and and that's the only reason we have it because she got up at six o'clock and stood in line. And so just, you know, not just having toilet paper that y- you don't have to ration, but also just being able to just get it whenever you need it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a question about the whole toilet paper thing. I, 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 I understand that, especially early on, people were hoarding toilet paper, which is why what created the shortage in the first place. But we've been doing this long enough now. I there's there should there's not a shortage of toilet paper in the United States. It's not, it's not like they've stopped making it there. They, they, there's as much toilet paper as there has been. I don't understand why this hasn't like stopped. Like why, like suddenly it's like, all right, every, yeah, toilet paper, every, we're back. Like are people buying significantly more I, toilet paper? I think they're are they still hoarding it. I think the stores are like rationing, uh, how much they put on the shelves and when, because they don't trust people not to hoard it. Maybe. Yeah. maybe? I, yeah. I really I, don't I mean, know. I would, I would assume it's got to be kind of like the healthcare. Like it's just people asking for, or like doing more when you're not ready for that volume. Like if, if we were to go in and buy toilet paper and you usually bought like a roll of 12 or something and it's like, well, we might be in the house for a while. So I'm going to buy 30 and it's not necessarily hoarding. It's just like, this feels like like your standard order or your standard buy goes up a little bit, so then it just creates. I guess that is hoarding. I don't know. What it's I'm hoarding. I don't. Under, I just limit how much toilet paper people can buy. It just feels to me. I we did have an experience the other uh, week when we went shopping. Um, we went down the. Uh, we don't. We didn't. My my wife always hoards toilet paper, so uh, so we have toilet paper that she bought back like in December, still around. Um, but we went down the aisle and they didn't have any toilet paper in the entire place. And they didn't have any um, uh, paper towels except for this one brand of paper towels that was called like Spark or something. I, it was a brand I'd never heard of. And and it was, you know, and, and we were like, well, and it was, they had a lot of it. Like they had like, like, you know, I don't know, 75 uh, different cases of 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 uh, spark or 
whatever it was called, toilet paper, I mean, uh, paper towels. So we're like, yeah, we ought to buy. So we bought like a four, a, a roll of four paper towels and figured out, well, you know, this will be good. So we have, we bought spark um, paper towels and it made me think, how are there not like, we never would have bought spark paper towels ever in like that, like that never would have been an option for us if we went in and we saw like all the real companies, no offense to, to these people who are probably not even named spark. Um, it, we, we would never have, have bought that, but now we do because it was the one that was available. And I'm like, how are there not like all kinds of cut rate toilet paper companies just diving in on this? I mean, it feels like they should just be out there just pouring in like, you know, and just calling them like the craziest names, you know, just Dwayne Kuyper toilet paper and just, and just selling, just, just selling it like crazy. Cause everybody's going nuts. I, I just don't understand the toilet paper shortage. I just don't. So we we found a hack. Amanda found my, uh, my sister and her fiance um, were very short at the beginning of this, couldn't find any for a long time and were really getting scared. And we, we gave them a few rolls and then they were going through that quickly. And Amanda realized that nobody was buying novelty toilet paper. So it's like, <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive. So uh, I drove, this is a God's honest true story. She bought a few, she bought a few rolls and I drove down there to that house on my scooter and I just threw it at their house and it says, congratulations on turning 61. <laughs> um, all over the toilet paper, and so that's what they've been using for a little while now. It's um, there's that you can if you want Trump's face on toilet paper, you can buy that pretty readily right now. Um, people just have to go be willing to pay like a little bit more for some novelty, novelty not as good toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah, that is the greatest. Is the greatest I also thing. never thought I never thought about like how long a roll of toilet paper lasts. Like. Yeah. Like when you like Brandon, when you talk about rationing it, like we've been obviously we've been trying to do the same thing, but like it's not like all right, a normal toilet paper roll would last X amount of days or weeks. Like I honestly have no idea how long like a roll of toilet paper would last. So like it's not like we bought like a six pack and was like, all right, this will get us through the end of the month. Like I really I could not tell you. And these are things like I we have to think about now and. I don't like You have it. to think. You're like, hey, hon, I'm making Indian tonight. Like, no, you're not. We're getting close. You, you can, everything, you, like, you have to really start to work backwards off of it. Yeah. All right. That took a turn. All That's right, Sean. <laughs> Sean. Sean, you have your second pick. Um, I, this is what I thought you were going here with your mall, uh, with your mall and car story, but um, I was just going to say, like, browsing, like, shopping leisurely um i I was thinking initially in terms of of like going to a bookstore like that's my favorite one of my favorite things to do just grabbing like a stack of books and kind of sitting in a chair maybe grabbing a coffee at the cafe and like reading for a little bit until i find a book that i like but like then just in like a as far as going to the grocery store like i don't like everybody's in masks and gloves and like you're kind of hurrying through the store. You have your list. There's no like, okay, I got my list. Let me like take a lap and see if I missed anything or like that, you know, stuff we might need or want. You're only touching the things that you absolutely need. And you're not having any, you're hoping to not have any awkward interactions with anybody. It's just like get in, get out and like go home and wash your hands for a while. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent right. Used to be when I would go grocery shopping, specifically that, 
I just always go up and down every aisle. You just never know. You might find something you want or whatever. Now it's like, yeah, we don't need anything on that aisle. Just it's everything is just direct and focused. But I'm glad you did the 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 bookstore, Sean. That I was that is one of mine, and I wanted you to do it since since obviously you're well known for I'm going nerd. to bookstores. Uh, no, you're <laughs> you're the most awesome person in the world. That's nothing is cooler than going to bookstores. It's the greatest thing. And we don't get to do it now. And it's terrible. And the great thing about bookstores is there is there is no day. Like, like you go to the grocery store, like you wouldn't go if you didn't need something. Like even, even if it's one item. Like if you don't need anything, you're not going to be like, oh, I'll just stop in. But you can stop in a bookstore literally every single day of the week. And, and it would be cool to do. Yeah, regardless of how many books you have at home that you have not read, you're right. still going to walk out of there with something to add to your pile. And actually, this is this has been the first time where I've really like dove into the books in my house that I have not read yet, rather than just going to a bookstore whenever I finish a book. So I'm actually making a dent, but I do miss that. Yeah, you promoted a really cool book, cool sounding book on Twitter that doesn't come out till later this year. What, what is the name of that book you did this yesterday? And I was, uh, I was super. Oh, intrigued. the, the, in, the, yeah, the, the invisible life of Addie LaRue. Uh, it's a book yeah. by VE Schwab. Who's one of my favorite. I like fantasy fiction. Like I can't help it. I love, I love books about wizards and stuff like that and magic. And, um, uh, I'm a huge dork, but I've just decided to lean into it. And, um, um, it's it's it was it was absolutely fascinating and it doesn't come out until October but she has um, a, a lot of other books that uh, I've all read that are really really good so uh, there's plenty there to hold you over. Well, this sounded incredibly cool because it's you were saying it was like a it's like about a woman who who cut a deal or something. Which, yeah, like... she she cuts a deal with the devil. She's she's uh, she's a teenager in rural France in the early 1700s, and she wants more out of her life. Right? She wants to be able to travel and um, marry who she wants and do all these things and explore the world. And so she makes she ends up making a deal with the devil. And the the catch is that she can live forever, but um, no one will remember meeting her. So if she were to meet a person, introduce herself to a person, ha have dinner with them, whatever. And then even if she were just to leave the room and then come back, uh, the person would have no idea who she was. And it would be like they were meeting again for the first time. So she can't hold down a job. She can't uh, rent an apartment or, or, or buy a house. She can't she can't do any of these things. So she has to find these ways to to float around. And it, it takes 300 years for her to to run into somebody who she who remembers meeting her um who she, she she sees this person again for the for the second time and they remember her so we That's probably awesome. put, i don't know if we put brandon to sleep but um trust me it's a good it it, it was really really good i love it uh, brandon would you read it would you read that book i wouldn't i like the concept i um i just don't read fiction i i don't know why i like I don't even dislike it, but I just find like there's been enough crazy things that have happened in the world and nonfiction and things that I like have a desire to go learn. Um, so I go, I, it's not even like it's, it's not a mocking. It's just, I've just noticed more and more. And it's actually one of the things that I struggle with. Like I was never big on going to bookstores. I didn't even read a lot of books because I just, you could find so many things online and like search and learn about a, a thing that was currently happening or whatever. And it was actually Sean's thread that got me. I was like, 
you know what? I do love going to bookstores. Like I really like, I like the vibe. I like, and then I like that feeling of going there. You're like, oh, I want to learn about that. I want to, and um, I started going to more after that thread. I, it, it's an honest, honest story. And I um, have found more and more enjoyment out of that re- recently. But I, I find that sometimes I'll even struggle going in if I don't have an idea of what I want to learn about. Cause it's, I don't just go find like an interesting cover or some, some concept of, of fiction that I'd like to, I'd like to read about. So I have to like have an idea of like, okay, I want to learn more about this. And so then I go into the, the nonfiction section and, and load up on something. And um, so no, I, I wouldn't read that story, um, but it actually does that, sound very interesting. It's super, sounds super interesting, especially as someone who um, people don't remember meeting me after uh, the first time. So that it's, <laughs> it would, it's like a perfect, it's a perfect fit. All right. Oh my well, God, my it second... also sounds like hell on earth. The idea of having to meet everybody. Yes every day oh. like that's oh god <laughs> that would be bad that really would be bad all right um uh, with my second pick um of course everybody uh misses uh getting to go to restaurants i think and 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 just uh just being in restaurants but but because i'm picking stupid things that i miss i miss the post meal argument about who's picking up the check i i actually love that whole thing i love i love that whole it's like a like a little drama it's like a little television show like do you know there are friends who are arguing with you about who's picking up the check that don't mean it they're not really fighting that hard they're just totally uh yeah like yeah no yeah and then the the incredibly well i'll get the next one uh line (laughs) which i always always have loved and then there are those that are like fierce and and they're insulted that you would even consider paying for them um i love the whole thing and i totally miss that <laughs> wow that's we could not be more wildly different on that i that's one of my least favorite in, interactions that happens wow. in the course of a lifetime i like awkward you... i like awkward pockets like there's a little joy to be found in awkward pockets but that yeah. one i hate it so much because so much of it is disingenuous that my default has just been like, I just, here's my credit card. Everybody get like, just, I'll take care of this. Like, I can't hear another word of this. Please stop this. I, I just can't take it. It's probably not as much fun for you uh, because you, because, because of your salary, probably not, you know, as a ball player, probably that's not as much fun. I remember I went to dinner once with um, uh, a ball player. I will uh, not name. Um, and, and he, we, we had a meal and it was great. And he's a, he's a great guy. And, and then, uh, the check came and I did my usual reaching for the check and he kind of gave me like a, you gotta, you're kidding, right? Like, I mean, it was like, a, like, like, just like, like, how dare you with the piddly amount of money that you make, uh, <laughs> dare to even reach for the check with me saying, I mean, it was, it was truly an offended, offended thing. And he actually said like, Look, I'm sure you're doing fine. Like that was literally the word. Oh, <laughs> Look, I'm sure you're doing fine. So, um, so yeah, but but I would do anything to have that that same exact encounter. I I miss it. Do you enjoy that encounter, or do you just miss the idea of it? Like, no, I miss it. I I did not enjoy it. I was stupid. It was really, it was dumb. Uh, but I got a free meal. That's I like guess. the. <laughs> That's like the warped, um, like kind of like worldview that kind of comes with being a, a, a base a baseball player, a professional athlete. Like in our in our world, like if you go out to dinner, like 
it's understood that the guy that's making the most money will pay for the entire meal for everyone. <laughs> um, so I've gotten a lot of free meals. Yeah. Um, but like, no, I, that, that dance at the end that you do with the check though is still like awkward. Like I'm like, I can, I can, I can, you want me to leave the tip? Like I, <laughs> can I, I, no. Okay. I'll, I'll shut up. All right. <laughs> I've I've always liked the hey I'll leave the tip thing like 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 this is 1978 where all you paying with cash I mean it's like there's a line at the bottom of the credit card statement right. where, where, where we can leave a tip like yeah you, you get the tip hand her your card like this will be fine we'll just start this whole transaction over again this was very convenient thank you <laughs> all right Brandon you have the third uh, your third pick. Oh, I'm starting to struggle now. I, I think um, I'm very much looking forward to not being so aware of my hands at all times. Um, I, it's less so at the house. Like at the house, I'm fine. I try to take that. I'm very much a face toucher. And so everybody went nuts with the don't touch your face, don't touch your face. And so I got, I kind of tried to stop when I was at home. Then I realized, well, nobody here has this. Why am I? But if I do leave the house for any reason, I hate this feeling of having like lead bricks for hands. Yeah. You just kind of keep them at their side and, if you do, we'll pick up food and you pick it up and it's like, I just kind of hold my hands there like an idiot until I can get into the car and like sanitize them. And I, I just hate being that aware of an appendage. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly <laughs> that feeling where it's like, it's, you want to go back. It's, it's, I mean, there, there are numerous other feelings uh, like this in our current time where you're like, I just want to go back to where I don't have to think about this anymore. Like I, like I remember the days where like I never ever thought about my hands, not even one day, you know, one minute of any day. And now, yeah, that is such a crucial uh, part. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, Sean, uh, time for you and uh, your third pick. Um, um, I think one thing that, I miss is uh, worrying and having anxiety for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> um, which is something that I, I have a, a lot of. And I'm normally like, I'm, I can worry myself like sleepless about like the dumbest things. Um, and now that now there is something to, to worry about, and yeah. while on some level it feels um, almost like I've been um, proven right in some sense, <laughs> like I told you guys, like this was gonna, I told you something bad was gonna happen. I just knew it. Like I don't like, I don't, I don't like, um, you know, and constantly being reminded of it every time you turn on the TV <laughs> or open social media. Um, so I guess I miss like worrying about like small, very insignificant things. Again, I'm totally with you on this. There's, there's like <clears throat> this feeling, I don't know if you guys have had this feeling where you'll feel like worried about something. Like there'll be like this feeling, in the pit of your stomach and something happens, you know, you're wife calls you or something and you're, you're taken away from it. And then, and then that moment ends and you come back and you're like, I can't remember what it was that I was worried about before. I know there was, that I was, there was something really bad, <clears throat> but I have no memory of what it actually was. 
Yeah, I, I right. miss that feeling. I miss right. that like feeling. It was something yeah. like stupid and insignificant. I'll be like laying in bed at night and I'll be like, I wonder like how how to clean the gutters on the house. <laughs> and I'm like, like that'll keep me up for like a, like a, like a long time. And then I'll be like, do I need, I, I guess I need to get a ladder. Well, maybe like, I don't know how high the ladder is. So maybe tomorrow, like I'll try to measure. And then, uh, well, if I do that, then I'm going to need gloves. Well, maybe I should just hire somebody to do it. Like, and then like, next thing you know, it's like three 30 in the morning. Like now it's like, uh, there's actually like really serious stuff like that you know, to worry about. And, and I don't, I don't like it. I agree. I agree. Brandon, are you a worrier? Um, not typically. Um, more so now that, um, <laughs> there's something I'm to worry a, about. Uh, actually not so much with this, like same, I, um, I don't know. Some things have kicked in more, especially since my daughter was born. And that, that's yes. actually the first time in my life that I actually, um, have had like panic attacks and it's more about like weirdly and this starts to get deep, like the idea of like dying early and leaving, leaving her behind. That's, that's the only thing that like truly panics me. I don't, I'm not a warrior in general. Things don't, things kind of wash off, but I, um, that's the one that's crept in more. So I, there's some things that kick it up, some things that don't, but on the whole, I don't worry a ton. That's good. That's good. Lucky. And that would be something to worry about by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very inefficient, so I don't. Think you've actually thought that process. You're like, how do I clean the gutter? And you've thought it all the way through. So once you clean the gutter, I just don't even worry about the gutters, and so then they just break. And then it's like, oh, I was like, I was like, because we we bought a house, like it was, and it's the first house we've ever owned, like three years ago when we moved in. And I was learning all these things about being a homeowner that I'd never had to think about before, like living in a, a like a, a apartment or something like a, a rental, um, and for some reason, like I was super hung up on that for like three or four days. I was like, no, like Aaron, you don't understand. Like the leaves are going to get caught in the gutter and then it's going to rain or snow and it's going to freeze and get heavy and it's going to rip the side of the house off. And like, I, I had it all planned out in my head. Like it really took up like a lot of brain space one off season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a much, much better thing to worry about uh, than, than what we're all facing now for sure. All right, with my third pick, um, of course, we all miss baseball, um, but if I am picking just little things uh, within these bigger things. You know what I miss? I miss watching batting practice. Like, I miss, I, I don't, I mean, of course, I miss the games and all the other elements of the of the game, but honestly, one of my favorite things, and I, and I wasn't even watching it for any, like, reason. Like, I'm not watching to see, like, oh, like, who's, you know, how how, how does this guy look at the plate or, or just, just the whole rhythm, the whole sort of symphony of batting practice. I love watching like, like how everybody's able to coordinate it so that nobody, or most of the time, nobody gets hit with a ground ball and, and, and watching how the, the, you know, you have the, I love it when like the two coaches are hitting on each side at the same time that the guy is hitting in the, in the batter's box. And then the outfielders are doing, you know, they're just talking and, and every once in a while running after a fly ball. And I just love that scene. And I miss that scene so much that like, for me, that was like a, as a, as a baseball writer, that was like a daily joy, little joy that I would have. And I would just be able to just sit there and I would take however long, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, 
and just sit there and just watch it and, and like, let it, it was like a moment of Zen and, uh, I totally miss it. I'm totally ready for that to come back. Sean, I don't know if you're like me at all, but I don't know if that sounded as crazy to you as it did to me, just because the <laughs> idea of watching batting practice when you're a pitcher is just I, the worst. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt him because he was, he was so longing for this experience to come back. <laughs> And I was just thinking about that means that I have to stand in the outfield for an hour (laughs) watching balls get hit over my head and my back is getting so tight. I can feel it now. (laughs) Oh man. But, but you're, you're right. That would mean, that would mean baseball would be back. And um, at this point I would gladly shag batting practice um, for baseball to come back. Oh, I can't, I can't agree with you there. (laughs) <laughs> I take another year of lockdown versus one hour of batting practice because in terms of relative time, they actually are the same length of time. So oh, it's different. You guys are not like you guys are out there on the field. That's not the same thing. I'm just like up in the press box, just sitting there looking out a window, watching it go. It's it's totally awesome. I love it. All right. if, it if it means sports are back, because that would have been my other answer. Just anything with sports right now would be. With just yeah. something to be on TV in the background would just be nice. Did you guys both see, I assume you did, since it was such a big Twitter hit, the the uh, uh, announcer calling his two dogs um, uh, eating? Did, did you guys see that? Eating? Yeah, like his no. two dogs. It was, a, it was like a race between his two dogs to see who would finish their bowl of food first. No. Oh, okay. Oh, well, wow. you, if When you get... Yeah, when you get the opportunity, I retweeted it, uh, but millions of people did. If you get the opportunity, it is the closest thing to sports that I've seen because the announcer is so good. He's a British announcer, and he's so perfect and so funny. Uh, it's it it made me long for sports, but also filled like a need like that none of the old games have filled for me was just seeing this guy call uh, broadcast his two dogs racing to see who would finish their bowl of food, of food first. Um, yeah, check it out. It's it's great. It is so great. God, I thought I Brandon, finished the internet during this, but now it turns out I missed something, so I got to go back and, in. And, and Brandon, I'm pretty sure I I texted it to you. I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe maybe I didn't, but yeah, I, I don't I think so because I don't think I've seen this. All right, I'll I'll text oh. it to both you guys so you so yeah. we can uh, make sure that you see it. Um, okay, Brandon, your uh, fourth pick. Uh. I guess, and it's not even something that I do. I I go maybe once a year um, under normal circumstances, but I, going to a movie is <laughs> is probably an answer. I I found myself thinking more and more about that recently, and it's not something I think about when we're free. Um, but I like I enjoy the experience all the time. I just I it, I don't have to explain going to a movie. I think everybody's done it, but it, it's just a very nice air conditioned room with with some snacks and a movie. It's good, but. That seems like it would be really nice right now. Um, I don't know if it's just me wanting to get out of the house or if it's I'm actually missing that experience, but I've been thinking more about it recently. You don't go to movies is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, You know, you see like a preview and you're like, boy, that that looks good. And then you miss it in theaters and then it comes out and you're like, I don't really care that much. And then I just never end up (laughs) seeing the movie. So I don't know why I don't. And we went more before before we had a kid. I think that's that's a pretty common thing, but. Yes. It's more like, all right, if we're going to get away for a night, we'll just go to dinner or do something else or go see people as opposed to a movie theater. I don't know. I don't know why we don't think about it more. Sean, are you guys movie people? We go, 
Yeah, we go we go quite a bit, and and um, we don't have any kids. That's that's probably part of it. But um, I I think uh, just having the option to go right now would be great. Um, yes. And being able to, like Brandon said, have your snacks and you know tell telling people around you to be quiet during the movie <laughs> is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> so I I kind of miss that that part of it as well it's all part of the experience yeah yeah all right (laughs) sean uh your fourth pick uh i'm i'm brandon took mine with the movies and i'm I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here but i'm thinking i'm thinking about i miss not having to settle when i sit down to watch tv and this has kind of been touched on in a couple of the of the picks so far, but like sitting down and like watching reruns of House Hunters on HGTV like was okay for like the first couple days of this, but now like now like HGTV is getting into like some really deep cuts, and I'm not sure how I feel about them yet. But like I don't know, like I'm I still haven't. I still almost like sit on the couch sometimes and grab the remote, like out of just like a, a reflex or like instinct. And like, you know, there's might not be anything on, but you'll flip through and you'll find something to watch for a little bit. But like now it's like, it's like there's old games uh, and reruns. And it's like, I don't know, like, I feel like I've seen so much of this already and it's just making me sad. And now there's, now there's coronavirus um, commercials I don't know if you guys have seen this. We have we have Comcast. Uh, we we have Comcast Xfinity, and there's a commercial that plays like, not like it plays pretty often. Not quite once every commercial break, but it's like it's like press the microphone button and say coronavirus into your remote to get the latest news and updates on the pandemic. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like. I'm like that is the most dystopian thing. Say <laughs> say say the virus of the of the pandemic that's currently happening into your television remote to get the information. <laughs> like what I I it made me so sad. Like I I I was done. I, I might be done from TV. I don't know. <laughs> that's that is uh yeah, no, that is very, very frightening in in every single way. You know, there there is something else about television. In fact, I'll make this my fourth pick because it's it's a little bit hard to describe. Um, but like, like television was so much better when it was like something that you were supposed to be doing something else. Essentially, like you know how uh, I remember like the the days that you slept the best were like the for me as a kid were those snow days um where like your mom or wouldn't wake you up like because the, because school had been canceled because of snow and you didn't know it and that was such a refreshing like oh my gosh like i got all of this stolen sleep all of this just joyous stolen sleep because we didn't have to go to school and and it was sort of the same thing in general like no no couches more comfortable than when you really should be doing something else and you're just not doing it. And, and, you know, and I kind of feel the same way about television, like to me sitting down and just, just falling, you know, asleep to a golf tournament or something like that. Um, 
just felt so great when like you really were supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be cleaning your gutters. You're supposed to be doing something <laughs> of, of note. And now it's like, there's, there's no guilt whatsoever. There's, you can't do anything else. Um, I mean, you know, the only guilt is like, maybe you could be, you know, reading a classic or something. There's no guilt in just sitting in front of the television. And to me, that has ruined the entire experience. I just have no, like we still gather as a family and watch television, which is we watch Netflix movies and stuff, but like the idea of just sitting at the television and flipping channels and, and trying to find something like, Oh, I just don't find that appealing at all right now. No. Well, I actually, I, I, I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. Like it's not an escape anymore. It's like you're forced yeah. to do this. You're like, Oh, it's not as good. <laughs> Right. It really is like those. Remember those old stories about like parents that would like they would catch their kids smoking and then they would like put them in a closet with a, with a, yes. with a whole pack yes. of cigarettes. Yeah, like that's it. Like that's where we are. We're all we're all in the closet with a pack of cigarettes. If I saw someone with a pack of Skittles, I'd be like, Hey, can I get six of those? But if they were like, Hey, this is all you can eat for the next month, you're like, Oh, I friggin' hate Skittles. That's enough of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. All right, Brandon, your final pick. Um, I'm really guessing at this, like I've, I've forgotten what the real world is like, so I don't even know what I miss anymore, but, um, I miss, um, asking and knowing that there was like some sort of an answer of like, what does tomorrow look like? So usually my wife and I will watch TV at night and then she gets up and goes to bed. And usually she goes to bed cause I keep none of our schedule. I, I don't know where anything is or what anything's happening. It's like, Hey, what, what's, what's tomorrow look like? And she kind of runs down the whole day of like where she's going, where daughter's going, like what's happening. And, and then I kind of learn what everything, and I haven't asked that now in, in three weeks because right. it means nothing. We'll all get up whenever we get up and we'll just be here. And then we, uh, so I kind of miss the idea um, of just asking someone just a simple question and finding out what your day looks like to get excited for. Could not agree more. That's exactly, yeah. everything yeah. is like that right? Everything is like that. We're just living on a loop. So like, even like the stupid, you, you talk about television, like, like every town, I guess, has that morning television show where like local anchors talk about the day and, and they're all like, Oh, you know, don't forget tomorrow is uh, blah, blah. And now none of that is happening. Nothing is happening. So I don't know what they're doing on those shows if they're even doing them, but, but yeah, that's like, there, you wake up every morning to the exact same lull that that you it's it's people have compared it to like the movie Groundhog Day, but it's way worse than Groundhog Day, I think, in in that way, in that. Yes, he knew that he was stuck in a loop, but he could go wherever he wanted in the town. Right. He could do whatever he wanted to do. And now you can't do anything. So, yeah, I I totally see that. OK, Sean, your fifth and final pick. Um, I miss, um, taking the dogs for a walk in peace. And, um, by this, I mean that there are people, I don't know if how it is by you guys, but here in Florida, there are people here that are riding their bikes for the first time. <laughs> and it shows because they have no sense of, uh, bike etiquette. And, um, so you're, you're, you're not, so, I don't know who needs to hear this. But you're not supposed to ride your bike on the on the sidewalk, okay? You're supposed to ride the bike on the right. street, 
and you're not supposed to ride it on the sidewalk. And, and if for some reason you, you are on the sidewalk and you're coming up behind someone like a polite, like on your left, you know, will, will suffice and, and we'll, we'll get out of your way. But, um, people here are, are just kind of rediscovering, um, bikes in general, and I'm happy that they're outside and, um, moving around and getting some exercise, but, um, get, get off the sidewalk, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can, I can definitely see that. Do you find when people, when you're walking your dog that, certainly majority will not, but like one out of every, so many people will come way too close to you and like try to pet your dog or, or, or at least like come to say hello. Do you, do you find that six foot of space uh, difficult? Uh, Right now? Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably different. We're in Florida here. The, the area that we're living is, is a lot more like suburban. Um, it might be different if we if we were at our house in in Chicago, where there's just generally more foot traffic on the on the sidewalks, and it's a little bit more of a of like an urban setting. Um, uh, so I think we just the only people that we really see are these people that are riding their bikes zooming by us on the sidewalk. <laughs> to which yeah. not, to which the way my 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 other pick about worrying now I'm like this guy's biking really hard like he's he's exhaling really hard. What is, where's this guy been? Has he been washing his hands or quarantining? Is he safe? Cause I think he just breathed on me. I don't know, yeah. but it, it makes me uncomfortable. Now I have to take a shower when I go home. Yeah. Worries we, everywhere. We took the dogs for a walk through the night and we, um, we're in a kind of a quiet neighborhood so we can, you just walk on the street and just kind of go wherever it's not, it's not heavily, um, heavily populated like a, like a city necessarily. And, we're walking through and we get to the end of the street and we see that there's these about 200 yards ahead of us are two families lined up on opposite sides of the streets, all in like lawn chairs. Um, they've got drinks. They're all like, all the kids are on opposite sides and everybody's just talking across the street to one another. It was like, it was like a civil war battle, but of, of conversations. <laughs> and we're, we had to walk straight through it, which made it like a parade procession for us walking our dogs, which is really awkward. So that nobody got, inside the six feet we were safe there but it, it was very awkward i realized they're doing the best they can they, they'd come up with a good idea and we're the people that are like okay let's not get too close let's let's <laughs> split this party right up the middle everything's just awkward now nothing's the it's same just, i was walking yesterday uh we were like you brandon we are our neighborhood is is uh it's quite quiet and you can just walk i mean there are people out there walking but uh walked by the the uh sort of it sort of has like a there's a pool in the neighborhood and a clubhouse and we were walking by the clubhouse and in the parking lot of the clubhouse, um, there were like seven or eight women all, you know, well, you know, at least six feet apart, probably a little more. And they were doing an exercise class together in the parking lot of this, of this, uh, of this neighborhood, uh, you know, by the neighborhood pool. Um, and they all had like mats and stuff. maybe they were doing yoga. I don't even know exactly what it was they were doing. And I thought, you know, that's really cool that they're doing that. And then I also thought, you know, I, you can't walk by there now. Like all those people are there. They're just sort of blocking everybody from, from walking through there. But, you know, that's the, the good and the bad. I mean, I just I just think everybody is trying to do the best they can, right? Yeah, as yeah. best as we know how, I guess. Yep. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. All right, with my fifth pick of the, of, of the stupid things that I miss, um, 
So probably the thing I like, there are, uh, there are not that many things that, that I let like really annoy me. Like I, I'm pretty patient in general. Um, and, and I, I tend to, to be pretty patient in, in almost all ways, I think. Um, but I hate parking my car. Like, like that is like driving through, uh, a, a, you know, really, really crowded parking lot or trying to drive through a neighborhood to find a parking spot to, to go to some sporting event or whatever. Um, very, very few things annoy me to that. I just hate it so much. I, d- I don't even know why. I mean, it's like nobody likes that, but for me, like, I, I don't, I can't even describe the rage that it's, I think the feeling is I'm here and all I want to do is, is get out of my car and I can't because there's no place to park. And, and it's so, uh, it's so annoying, but feelings that I miss, I miss that feeling of finding that parking spot. Like when I actually get to find that parking spot and pull in and get out of the car, like that feeling is so, it's such a feeling of joy and accomplishment for me. And, uh, and I don't know why it occurred to me, but it is something that I really miss. I, I want, and I think I also miss it because I know that if that ever happens again, that means we're all getting together and there are going to be, you know, lots of people together in one place. So I miss that feeling. I want that feeling again. So you can go right back to hating it again. And that will be the same yeah. day, exactly. the same day I will hate it. In fact, the first <laughs> time I ever face it, I'll be like, I'll, I'll like why, why we, everybody should be back at home. Like that, I'll I'll hate it that much, but then I'll but then I'll find the spot, and then I'll be like, "This is great! Um, this is this is great!" All right, well, um, you know, we'll let the uh, we'll let the listeners, uh, the listener, I, I wouldn't put that plural. We'll let the listener uh, decide who won that draft. Um, we usually what we do at the end of these things, Sean, is we do we come up with one meaningless thing that just happens to be in our minds. Uh, and, uh, we call it one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no diet coke for Joe. The podcast one last Brandon, do you do you have a meaningless thing? If you guys have one, go because we just did about an hour of meaningless things. So I need to <laughs> to refresh for just a second here. Yeah. Well, I'll start, Sean. If you can come up with one, it's if you if you can't, that's equally good. Um, so here's my meaningless thing. Um, my my family and I, uh, among the many things that we've uh, tried to do to sort of uh, get through this and come together, and and you know we used to, well we still do every week. We we have a bad movie Friday, where we we get together and watch a really really bad movie for as long as we possibly can, and then we stop and and mock it for the rest of the time. So we've only done two of them so far. We did uh, Bewitched, the movie Bewitched, the first pun. And then we did Wild Wild West um, last week with um, 
with uh, Will Smith and uh, which was, they were both absolutely horrendous. And we did not make it even an hour in either of those movies. Um, but this week we decided we were going to try something different. Um, so what we did was we watched, we made a family night where we watched Saturday morning cartoons on Saturday night. We made breakfast and uh, all got in pajamas and watched old Saturday morning cartoons from when I was young, which is well before either of you guys were around, but, but you might remember some of the Saturday morning cartoons. So we watched, you know, Scooby-Doo and, and uh, Bugs Bunny and, and uh, super friends and a few other things. And, and the only thing I, the, the meaningless thing, all of this is meaningless, obviously, but the meaningless thing that came to mind was we watched a Scooby-Doo that had the Harlem Globetrotters on it. And uh, which was great. The Globetrotters being on Scooby-Doo is, is the greatest thing ever. Um, and it occurred to me that, man, uh, every time that we live has something unbelievably stupid that would be utterly inexplicable to anybody, like in any later generation. I mean, there are many things that are going on like that now. But the fact that the Harlem Globetrotters like were so big in my childhood that they had their own cartoon characters that would like make guest appearances on Scooby-Doo. That's, that is incredibly, incredibly meaningless. So that is my meaningless thing this week. Don't joke. Yeah. You don't have, to, you don't have to comment on the like, Globetrotters. No, it's up there. And I'll, I'll put my meaningless thing actually was going to be uh, a big thing. Apparently the other night was there was a wrestling thing on, I guess yeah. wrestling is still happening. And, and, <laughs> Nothing on earth to me is more meaningless than professional wrestling. Sure. I don't get it. I never have. I think one of my favorite bits <laughs> ever is Jerry Seinfeld's bit of, of if this didn't Prison. exist already, is there any possibility you could sell this now? <laughs> and the answer, of course, is no. Um, I'm I don't a get prisoner it, but... of inertia. That was the, the Seinfeld of a prisoner of inertia. When they throw you into the ropes and come flying off the ropes. <laughs> and I don't get it in the best of times. I especially don't get it. And I realize I, how further stupid I think it is that it's the only thing that exists in this time. <laughs> and my body didn't even for a second. It still laughed at it like, no, why would you ever watch that? So I, that will forever be my meaningless thing. I don't like, understand why that's a thing. I like that. Sean, you, you've ever, you ever been a wrestling guy? I was never really into wrestling other than the, uh, the video games. I forget the name of the video game. It might've just been WWE SmackDown. It was an, it was an N64 game. So we're going back a while and I got really into the game, but, um, but I, and mostly it was just mashing buttons and, uh, designing cool characters and costumes and stuff like that. But (laughs) that was the closest I ever got. I love it. I love it. Sean, do you have a meaningless thing? Did something meaningless pop into your head? Yeah. Um, Joe, you, you kind of gave me this idea when you're talking about your family movie night. Um, my, my family, my extended family has been doing, um, we get together um, every day just about on FaceTime um, every night. And there's usually about 20 of us. And last night we played a game where um, Aaron and I had people send us a song that they would use to be their intro song if they were a major league baseball player. And so we had a competition, we had a competition, um, you know, nobody knew whose song was what, and we played, you know, 15 seconds of the song and had people try to guess who picked what song. Um, And I said that whoever won, I would use their song 
um, <laughs> when when baseball comes back. So if you guys if you guys see me coming out of the bullpen to "Don't Stop Me Now" by Queen, uh, that's why. But it and it also just made me realize that intro songs are generally uh, meaningless, especially if there's no fans uh, in the ballpark. So um, who knows when wow. those will will be a thing again but um don't stop me now by queen it actually gets me going a little bit i really like it first of all that's, it's a great song oh, that's such an interesting thing the idea of like there might be closed game or closed um closed stadium games for a little while if that happens will people still have their music and how unbelievably stupid that will will sound and feel <laughs> it's just right. this quick 12 right. seconds of a rap song and then a guy gets in the box to utter silence oh <laughs> Utter silence, yeah. and you can hear. I, I there were guys during that game that got played in. I think it was 2015 in Baltimore. The the White Sox and the Orioles mm-hmm. played a game in front of no fans, and um, the players on the field said that they could hear the broadcasters in the booth just talking, <laughs> like just just at normal talking volume. Their voices projected all the way onto the field, and like Britain Britain said that he was, you know. In, it was a close game. He was in the in the in a, in for a save situation, and he can hear Gary Thorne con, <laughs> calling the play by play. Like, I, I mean, that would be weird. I, again, it would be something that would mean that baseball was back, and I'm sure we could adjust and maybe get used to it. But um, you know, we'll take anything for baseball at this point. There is so much there. There is so much there with the. The idea that 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 you could be at the plate listening to Gary Thorne call the action while it's going on that would be like that would be the strangest thing, like, and and you hear him like going like saying like ah he's been struggling the last couple of weeks like, he, would, he would just be miserable. All right, I have to ask you, Sean, what was the worst song without without throwing any of your relatives under the bus, which you don't have to tell us who it was. What was the worst song? The worst, um, um, or did not one not stand out as being that bad? I don't, I don't remember. There, there were no, there were no like, there were no bad ones. Um, there okay. were ones that okay. like, maybe that were like a little bit too EDM or something for me. But overall, it was a, it's a really solid list. All right, all right. I, I don't stop me now is a good song. So that's that's a, uh, I, I, I hope that that actually happens that you come out to to don't stop me now. So, well, Sean cannot thank you enough for putting up with our nonsense for almost two hours, which is ridiculous. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome, Brandon. You're the best. Thank you. Enjoy it. Have a good one, guys.